millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hi, this is Chris Hoff, host of the Radical Therapist podcast. And as a licensed marriage and family therapist, it is in my professional opinion that you are at extreme risk if you were to listen to I doubt it with Dollamore, so please don't listen, and that's why I don't listen. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Right, welcome to the big show. Thank you for joining us. This 261st episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, little, little peaking, little pukey, the lovely Brittany Page. Not doing so hot. Not, not doing so hot. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. How are you? I'm a little, uh, I don't know. I was just out in the in the in the kitchen. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh Here we go. Is it the ants? No, no. We do have ants though. That's a weird deal. It rained here mm-hmm. and the, the the ants are escaping. They run in for cover. The deluge that was the rain right. like a week ago. Mm-hmm. And they're still hanging around. That's not what's bothering me though. What's bothering me is that for Thanksgiving, I fancy myself an amateur cook. Uh-huh. I like to cook a little bit. You do. And for Thanksgiving, I planned a big menu. We had people over. And I bought at Costco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for those of you international listeners, Costco is a a a wholesale. You, you can't just buy an onion. No. At Costco. No. So I bought a 10, maybe 15 pound bag of onions. Uh-huh. <laughs> thinking I was going to have a lot more onion action. Yeah. On Thanksgiving. <laughs> like you were going to be having a buffet for several people. Yeah, like it was like an onion casserole or something. I don't know what I was thinking. Anyway, I didn't even open the goddamn bag. <laughs> and now I've got this... Brittany used... We usually have like a plate filled with fruit, like bananas and apples and shit like that. Yeah. And I w- just was out there and I noticed that you've, you've displayed <laughs> maybe just as a F you to me... To remind me of my jackassery, uh-huh. that uh, there's a giant display, you know, like a fruit bowl with grapes yeah. and stuff, like, you know, those still paintings. Ten pounds of onions. Yeah, it's just filled with onions yeah. out there, like a reminder <laughs> nagging me that I got to figure out what I'm going to do. 
Yeah. Well, you need to figure it out. Stinking ass onions. Yeah, because they're going to go bad. Oh yeah. And how wasteful of you to get ten pounds of onions. Yeah. And not use them. I don't know what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I don't feel so bad. It's just onions. It's not like, you know, 10 pounds of something really, really good. Like delicious steaks or something. Yeah. Yeah. I want to waste that. Well, you can make French onion soup. I, I, I'm not taking re- recommendations. I, I just. Well, I'm giving them. I'm a little stressed out about it. Okay. Because every time I walk in there to get a glass of water. You see the fruit plate. Yeah. I see, you know, this mound of onions staring me in the face, <laughs> crying out to me. Make no good. Me. Yeah. No good. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we are back. We did take an episode off. Um, I had uh, a Tommy Laren video <laughs> that I had to get out. I had to write it and get it get it out. Th- those things are kind of timely. And unfortunately, it pushed the episode. So we are here. We are back. We are ready to go. And uh, no worse for the wear. And for those of you who are wondering when we're going to stop having issues with the midweek episode. Ah, very soon. I only have two weeks left in my semester, and things will be normal for me soon, okay? (laughs) And hopefully I will have time to heal my health and get back to normal. You are not doing well. I'll be all right. Hope it's not something serious. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's get into this. We do have some voicemails and some emails, as we always do. Let's begin with a voicemail. Hey, guys. Love the show. This is Alex from Phoenix, Arizona. I just kind of wanted to speak to what you were talking in the last episode about people oddly coming out about their um, voting choice and exposing their, like, secret racism that they've been having for a while now. Um, so not to sound like a typical, disgusting 24-year-old white girl, but I was at a club the other night, (laughs) and some shenanigans were definitely happening right in front of me. Wait, did, did Alex just say shenanigans? There were some shenanigans. Some shenanigans happening. She also said she was twenty three or twenty four, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what the the kids are saying nowadays? Uh, shenanigans. I think everybody can say shenanigans. Was there also some ballyhoo, Alex? <laughs> some Molly Codlin. <laughs> <laughs> Those are good. So it involved. This group of two white guys in baseball caps and beards and this other group of Middle Eastern men, um, everything seemed to be fine at first until one of the white guys smashed a glass full of ice that exploded all over me, of course. And at the time, I decided I wanted to be feisty because I was pissed off and started flicking the ice back at him and wasn't really sure what was going on until... I realized that he was now getting in the face of one of the Middle Eastern men And, um, something was definitely happening. I couldn't exactly hear what was going on or what the conversation was about, but it definitely looked like some Trumpian racist bullshit. Um, and the white guy that had smashed the glass in front of me was clenching his fist behind him. And they were getting each other's faces, he's clenching his fist, and all of a sudden, pulls out a fucking knife out of his pocket and pulls a knife out on this Middle Eastern man. And, of course, I just lost my shit. I went up to one of the security guards and was like, hey, not only is there a fight breaking out right now, but this guy just pulled out a fucking knife, and I really don't feel comfortable with that. So can they please go home now? Um, So, yeah... 
They eventually were escorted out of the building and they continued their fight somewhere else. I was not around. I wanted to be nowhere near that whole situation. But I just think that it's so disgusting that all of these people are suddenly feeling comfortable with, like, openly being racist or openly showing their, like, content towards a certain group or even just speaking out of nowhere about voting for Trump. Like, no one fucking cares. And regardless, if you're a white guy and you don't, if you have some sort of bias, you're still going to have to deal with other groups of people living around you. And that's never going to change. And either like it or go somewhere else or live in a fucking cave because you don't belong here anymore. That just really pisses me off that he can't just be accepting of people or other people in general. I don't know. I'm just aggravated by the whole situation. (sighs) Anyways, I'm sorry that I have a sailor's mouth. Um, You guys are great. And obviously, Brittany's the best part. (laughs) Thank you. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. That was quite the story. She's a little feisty. Yeah, that was an intense situation. (laughs) Oh, she did the right thing. But, you know, it does go to this larger thing that we are seeing happen where people are feeling a lot more comfortable, especially in a situation like this, where it's instant asshole just add alcohol. Oh, yeah. You know, you add alcohol to the mix and then people's latent racist tendencies are going to just come oozing to the surface and apparently knives and and apparently yeah everybody's carrying around a knife with them come on yeah that's terrifying (laughs) people are the worst you know it is something that i am concerned about though especially with like me and you are people who tend to be um confrontational if we see something that's going on we're we tend to we tend to, to be individuals who would intervene and it is something i think about now where i almost kind of pause because someone could have a gun or a knife right right and what do i think i'm jason Bourne or something i you know <laughs> so it is something born coming this summer <laughs> it is something that you you have to think about because yeah you never know what what someone could do or you know people are dumb yeah it's kind of really really dumb Thanks for the call, Alex. We appreciate it very much. We have an email. This email is from Donnie. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. I'm Donnie from a California city that I cannot pronounce. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm writing because Jesse asked people in episode 260 how to change the minds of racist people. As a black lesbian in America trying to combat racism and homophobia and sexism, my way of changing minds of people is to be the best version of myself. Show people that their opinion of a certain demographic of people based on a few idiots does not apply to me. I have had many people come to me and say I have changed their opinion of black LGBT people and still sometimes how strong a woman can be. Just carrying yourself well and being the best version of you that you can be. You guys are awesome. Love the show. And I think Jesse is the best part. I laugh at your jokes, dude. <laughs> so you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, this is awesome, awesome advice. This It's kind of, I've heard the same thing about myself, not to uh, toot my own horn, but people have said that to <laughs> about me. About gingers? Yeah, about redheads. Yeah, you really, I used to think they were all assholes until I met you. Well, I thought they were all soulless. <laughs> And you have a soul, sir. 
You're so soulful. No, about being an atheist. That people. Oh right, right. I've had people be shocked when they find out. Yeah. That I'm an atheist because they the image of an atheist atheist is is this frothing, angry, ah, raging character. Yeah. Or who, immoral. Yeah. Like I say, bless you, and you know, I'm not the type that's going to be all hung up on. I'm not just being an asshole. There's a lot of assholes out there. Yeah. And they run the gamut. They run the spectrum. And I think Donnie's advice is spectacular. It's kind of like uh, that 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 Christian little that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be the best you. Set a good example. If you're a Christian and you want people to think well of Christians, the work starts at home. If you are an atheist, if you are black, if you are whatever group that you, 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 you're defined by or you're in, you'd be doing your particular population a service by being the best you can be. That's awesome advice. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's, we'll alternate. I'll do another voicemail. Okay. Thank you very much for the, for the, for the email, Donnie. We appreciate it very much. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. It is Taylor once again from Tempe, Arizona. My question today is about Donald Trump and some of the economic policies that he's put forth. Uh, as you know, he said, he said several times that he plans on rebuilding our infrastructure and he wants to make it second to none. Uh, he's talked about rebuilding the inner cities and providing greater care for our veterans, which, you know, on the surface, uh, those I think are admirable policies. Uh, ideas that I would be behind and definitely support, but yet at the same time, he has proposed massive tax cuts. In fact, I think he's bragged that they're the biggest since Ronald Reagan, and I think he even said that they're more extensive than the tax cuts that Ronald Reagan passed. So my question is, wouldn't these two policies put together kind of, in a sense, spell economic doom for the country? Maybe not doom per se, but of course... With regards to infrastructure spending, increased veteran care, rebuilding the inner cities, and this um, possible wall that he may or may not build anymore, Um, the question that always comes up whenever anyone puts forth an idea like this, and I think rightly so, is, well, where are you going to get the money? Um, So that's a good question. Where is he going to get the money? Because as far as I know, I don't know if he's talked really all that much about where he plans to cut spending or if he's even going to balance the budget. Um, And so these policies he's put forth, you know, I mean, rebuilding the infrastructure in the inner cities, I mean, those aren't cheap. And yet at the same time, he wants to pass these massive tax cuts. So put together, wouldn't those increase our budget deficit by a lot and also increase our national debt by by quite a bit and thus put the economic future of the country in peril? Uh, anyways, those are just my thoughts. Uh, like I said before, you guys are awesome and keep up the great work. We are awesome. You're <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, geez. He, he, you're exactly right. Donald Trump's plan. This is a weird thing about Republican taxation policy. If you want to look and you want to do some research on your own of this, Go look at what Governor Sam Brownback from the state of Kansas has done to his state. 
It is deplorable. It is terrible what he's done. He's bankrupting the state of Kansas with this uh, supply-side economics, with Reaganomics, with trickle-down economics, where they're expecting, if you give these corporations, these companies, massive tax cuts, that what's going to happen is they're going to hire more people, those people will pay income taxes, and then the government rakes in that money. But it's a, it's a gamble because it is not working in Kansas. They are in dire economic straits right now. Independent analysis of Donald Trump's tax plan has come to the conclusion that it will be about a $10 trillion deficit for the United States. It will leave us in economic shambles. That's $10,000 billion. That is an insane amount of money that we're going to be saddling our, our kids and our grandkids with to try to dig us out of the hole that he's going to create. <laughs> this is a lot of really great news. <laughs> that, that is very optimistic. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. The other thing that I'm very alarmed about, Brittany, is why we have so many goddamn listeners from Arizona. <laughs> Alex is from Phoenix. He's from Tempe. Yeah. What's happening? I don't know. Have we run advertisements in Arizona we, that, I, that I'm unaware of? We have not, but Are you we, doing things under 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 the covers? Uh, under no. the cover of, I, I don't know. I mean... Ah, I'm so dumb. I could be doing stuff <laughs> under the covers. Um, So, almost everyone pays less under under president-elect trump and the richest pay a lot less yeah yeah so he's going to be giving <laughs> the largest tax cuts the largest tax benefits to the top one percent nice listen I, having been a former republican having been i am currently a former republican <laughs> what am i saying i used to think that a progressive tax structure where it's not completely equal across the board. I used to think it was of the devil. It was anathema to me. But I don't think that anymore. Even under President Eisenhower, a Republican, President Eisenhower, the top tax rate was nearing 90%, if not surpassing 90%. I think that's crazy. That's high. That's insane. However, a progressive tax structure where the people who have the most pay a little more, they're benefiting from the country more i think that it is absolutely fair it is absolutely okay and many wealthy people do too to pay a little bit more so we will see well i wonder if you know many of the donald trump supporters are surprised by this because you know when he was campaigning there was no focus on specific policies right. or you know i mean he was having press conferences with Bill Clinton's ex-women. Right, right, right. It was like Accusers. a reality show. Yeah. There wasn't ever a, yes, this is the plan that I'm putting forth, and this is how I plan to accomplish these things, and blah, blah, blah. There was none of that. So now we're starting to hear about what he plans to do, how he plans to do it, kind of. And <laughs> this is... Some of that we're going to get to in Dollamocracy. And so. this is what we're getting. And I wonder, when Donald Trump's son called him a blue-collar... Billionaire. Yeah. A blue-collar billionaire. Come on. I he mean, was raised by a multi-millionaire father. Come on. What did anyone... What did everyone expect? Yeah, that, that, is, that, is, uh, that is true. What did you expect, 
Donald Trump supporters. <laughs> yes. So I have another email. All right. From Yolanda. Yolanda. Hi, guys. I've been watching your YouTube videos and listening to you on iTunes for about six months now. Welcome. And I look forward to every show each week. You guys keep me sane at work, so I wanted to thank you for that. You're welcome. I also wanted to see if you guys watched November 30th's episode of The Daily Show with Trevor Noah and who he interviewed. Thoughts? <laughs> when I first saw your videos and you mentioned this person, Tommy Laren is the person. Yeah. I thought, quote, there's no way that people are paying attention to this fucktard. <laughs> well. Unfortunately, that's not true. Yolanda said it, not me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I stand corrected. And I should have known better. Especially with what I have seen over this past year. I am expecting the same for 2017. Anyway, you guys are doing a great job and I love what you're doing. Even though Jesse is a sexy beast... Britney is still the best part. Love the show. Sexy beast. Britney's the best part. Sexy beast, huh? Yeah. Yeah. She said she's seen the videos. She not has. just listened to them. Nope. <laughs> well, thank you for the, the undeserved compliment. I appreciate it very much. It's the beard. Yeah, we absolutely saw it. I, I, I I'm sure you know now, being a a a a consumer of the content that I create, um, I did do a rebuttal, and although I didn't think that that Trevor Noah did a terrible job, he just seemed super nervous, like not making eye contact with her, and it, it was just weird. Well, I don't know if it was nerves. I honestly think it was him going too easy on her for whatever reason. I don't know why. Because he didn't want to look like a pit bull. Yeah, possibly, yeah, but like you said, he... He would ask a question and then he would keep talking. So he would ask the question and then basically explain why he was asking the question. Yeah, yeah. Explain possible answers to the question, what those answers might mean. And Well, at the end, which I didn't include in the video, uh, there was a whole exchange about the Colin Kaepernick thing. And how do you suggest, Tommy Laren, how do you suggest that he protest? If he can't kneel silently and he can't go out in the street and protest what is the way he asked several times and he let her off the hook he never forced her to answer the question and that or at the very end sorry at the very end say okay well it's clear you're not going to answer you know doing like a, a jake tapper thing i realize he's not a journalist he's a comedian but if you're going to have this type of program where you have newsmakers and you interview politicians you have a responsibility beyond just a funny guy who tells jokes. Well, and not that interviewing is like therapy, but in therapy, you are trained to just ask the question and then stop. Don't interrupt yourself because you want to kind of put pressure on the client yeah. to to give more information, to answer your open-ended question with as much depth. Right. You want to give them the rope to hang themselves. Well, that's not a therapy thing. But in an interview, okay. you definitely want to do that. You want to just ask the question. That's why it's so great. The best interviewers of Donald Trump just ask the question. Like Chris Matthews, when they asked the abortion thing. They didn't give him a, 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 a prompt of, so are you going to punish the women who get abortions or the doctors? They didn't give him that out. All they said is, all he said was, are you going to punish women? Are they going to get punished? And then left it. 
And that that's an uncomfortable position for the person being interviewed and the interviewer. Yeah. Because you know you're turning up the heat. Yeah, yeah. And the other person knows it too. And it, it might feel a little aggressive, but it's what needs to be done. Sure. And also looking away gives people permission to be avoidant. And Trevor yeah. Noah kept looking away when he would ask the question. So it was almost like, you know, I'm, I'm not looking at you. It's okay. We're going to be okay here. What I did take away, Yolanda, from the interview, though, and her her appearance on The Daily Show in general, is that uh, she's not very smart. She really isn't quick on her feet. Either she is given her scripts and then she reads them, or she writes them herself, but it is prepared remarks, and when she, when she has to actually speak extemporaneously, uh, she, I don't think she has a stranglehold on the ideas that she purports to on her show. So yeah, you know, all in all, all in all, I think you did a good job. Um, you know, she's no towering intellect, but uh, <laughs> it was entertaining nonetheless. So thank you, Yolanda, for the email. We appreciate it very much. And I think that is the end of our listener bonanza of communication for this particular episode. Support for I Doubt It with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. So we have Sharif, Jason, Tom, and Rainer. All the new Yeah. It's a handful. Patreon supporters. You skip one episode and then all the, the love piles up. Mm-hmm. We appreciate it very much. Yes. Thank you very much, guys. It is uh it's a beautiful thing. We are the Patreon and PayPal people are starting to really impact what we do, and we're getting closer and closer to that next goal to to do a third episode per week. So if you're on the fence about it, join these people. We would love to have you on board. And uh, it really is. It's helping in not just the video arena with YouTube, but it's also helping, obviously, with the podcast. We appreciate the support so, so much. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right, huh? New, new, new bumper there. Yep, I like it. Yeah. So, Donald Trump released a video talking about his first hundred days and previewing kind of what he plans to do when he first takes office on January twentieth of this coming year. Today, I would like to provide the American people with an update on the White House transition and our policy plans for the first 100 days. Our transition team is working very smoothly, efficiently, and effectively. Truly great and talented men and women, patriots indeed, are being brought in, and many will soon be a part of our government, helping us to make America great again. My agenda will be based on a simple core principle, putting America first. Whether it's producing steel, building cars, or curing disease, I want the next generation of production and innovation to happen right here on our great homeland, 
America, creating wealth and jobs for American workers. As part of this plan, I've asked my transition team to develop a list of executive actions we can take on day one to restore our laws and bring back our jobs. It's about time. These include the following. On trade, I am going to issue our notification of intent to withdraw from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, a potential disaster for our country. Instead, we will negotiate fair bilateral trade deals that bring jobs and industry back onto American shores. On energy, I will cancel job-killing restrictions on the production of American energy, including shale energy and clean coal, creating many millions of high-paying jobs. That's what we want. That's what we've been waiting for. On regulation, I will formulate a rule which says that for every one new regulation, two old regulations must be eliminated. So important. On national security, I will ask the Department of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to develop a comprehensive plan to protect America's vital infrastructure from cyber attacks and all other form of attacks. On immigration, I will direct the Department of Labor to investigate all abuses of visa programs that undercut the American worker. On ethics reform, as part of our plan to drain the swamp, we will impose a five-year ban on executive officials becoming lobbyists after they leave the administration, and a lifetime ban on executive officials lobbying on behalf of a foreign government. These are just a few of the steps we will take to reform Washington and rebuild our middle class. I will provide more updates in the coming days as we work together to make America great again for everyone. And I mean everyone. Can I listen? Why would they not write speeches in the way that he talks? Because when he's reading from the prompter, it's so unnatural sounding because we know how Donald Trump talks. Well, because they're trying to force him into a position of respectability. Yeah, it's just bizarre. You you would want it to be not so divergent from his actual person. When Obama reads a script and then when he's talking off the cuff, there's not much different there. Right. And then here, this was probably the first time in Donald Trump's life that he's ever said the word indeed. Yeah. Patriots indeed. <laughs> what What are you saying? <laughs> Maniac. Yeah. But let's address some of these issues. First of all, he's maligned President Obama for years of his use of executive actions. Mm-hmm. And then here, this entire video is about all the executive actions he plans to do on day one. What he's going to do as soon as he gets in there, no legislation, no cooperation with his Republican Congress. He's just going to, with the swipe of a pen and executive actions, make a bunch of shit happen. Well, executive actions are okay when it's your party that's doing them, Yeah, right? right. And then the other thing is this, for every regulation, every new regulation, they're going to lose two old regulations. Listen, th- that sounds great. That's a buzzword for Republicans. It's a dog whistle for, oh, we can't. We love getting rid of regulations. <laughs> we got to be smart about it. I don't think it's necessarily a terrible idea, but you can't just for every one you lose two. What you got to lose good? You can't lose good regulation. Is it necessary to lose those two yeah. for each one, or is what? Why? Yeah, health and food safety. Ah, fuck it. We don't need those. And he said, you know, reinforcing what he said. This is very important. <laughs> Well, we don't know how important it is because we don't know what regulations you're talking about right right now. And and clearly, a lot of us don't trust you, Donald Trump, because you're a 
You're an idiot. What is very important to you yeah. is not very important to most people that voted. And then he's going to direct the Department of Labor to investigate visa abuses. This is the same man who was having illegal immigrants work on his goddamn Trump Tower. This is the same man who was doing these exact things. Who is now going to... I'm going to drain the swamp. I'm going to clean this up. It's going to be great. He he is the pinnacle of hypocrite. It's yeah. unbelievable. And then finally, this whole draining the swamp thing and getting money out of influence in politics oh, and, and the capital. Are you kidding me, Donald Trump? When Betsy DeVos, who's going to be your education secretary, is worth $5.1 billion? Give me a goddamn break. Wilbur Ross... He's worth $2.9 billion. He's going to be the Commerce Secretary. And the Deputy Commerce Secretary is the son of the guy who founded Ameritrade. And he owns the Chicago Cubs. There's all kinds of money. The poorest member of the cabinet so far is Elaine Chow. She's worth $25 million, And she's the, the wife of, of Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. I, what is happening? And so, no one's saying anything. Right. Washington Post wrote about this and they said, uh, when George W. Bush assembled his first cabinet in 2001, news reports dubbed them a team of millionaires and government watchdogs questioned whether they were out of touch with most Americans' problems. Combined, that group had an inflation-adjusted net worth of about $250 million, which is roughly one-tenth the wealth of Donald Trump's nominee for Commerce Secretary alone. Right. The... In- Listen to that, folks. The entire George W. Bush cabinet had a combined net worth, all of them together, if they put all their money in one bank account, $250 million. Right. They're saying that he's putting together what will be the wealthiest administration in modern American history. Right. $250 million. And Donald Trump, and I don't know why they mentioned his commerce secretary, the, the secretary of education is worth almost double what the Commerce Secretary's worth, over $5 billion. She had her own money, and she married into the founder of Amway's money. Come on. This is, this is obscene. Right, and as they noted in this Washington Post article, they said, as a group, these individuals have much more experience funding political candidates than they do running government agencies. Yes. If this was truly going to be, listen, Listen, <laughs> for months, all of these Trump rallies, are, yee-haw, Trump gonna get it done, son. <laughs> and what do we got? What do we got now? Oh, God. These people don't represent America. These people are not normal Americans. These people don't, they wouldn't have gone to a Trump rally and worn the camouflage hat. Yeah. These are upper crust. These are the, 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 the most elite among us. Well, and I'm wondering if Trump supporters feel betrayed by this, right? Because the claim was always, I'm, I'm going to bring in these outsiders, people who, were, who aren't politicians. And okay, he might be doing that, <laughs> but they are extremely wealthy people right. who are just going to exert more control That's over right. the government. Is this is this what they wanted? Is it's this an, what they meant? It is an oligarchy. This is, it's obscene. It's insane. 
Where are these Trump people? They should be coming out of the woodwork right now saying, hey, wait a minute. All of a sudden, you're appointing a bunch of uh, a bunch of Goldman Sachs people, a bunch right. of Citigroup people. Right. I thought that's what you were not going to do. I thought you were demonizing Hillary Clinton for being too cozy with the big banks. Right. A former Goldman Sachs executive is going to be the head of the Treasury Department. Uh, yeah. Steve Bannon. Mm-hmm. The racist Steve Bannon is a former Goldman Sachs guy. Yeah. So come on. Drain the swamp. This is disgusting. Hashtag drain the swamp. Uh, <laughs> well, listen, the good news is Donald Trump is already starting to flip-flop and backtrack on all kinds of campaign promises. No way. So that is good news for America. Scheduling, canceling, and then rescheduling a meeting with the New York Times isn't the only thing President-elect Donald Trump has changed his mind about since being elected. In its first sit-down interview with the newspaper since winning the election, the flip-flops added up. Take his stance on prosecuting Hillary Clinton over her email controversy. She deleted the emails. She has to go to jail. If I win, I am going to instruct my attorney general to get a special prosecutor to look into your situation. He's since softened, telling the Times, quote, I don't want to hurt the Clintons. I really don't. She went through a lot and suffered greatly. About Obamacare, Trump first said. It's got to go. Obamacare has to be repealed and replaced. He's changed his stance on that, too. Some parts could stay. Coverage for patients with pre-existing conditions and children staying on their parents' plan until they're 26, as he said in this 60 Minutes interview. Adds cost, but it's very much something we're going to try and keep. As the president-elect fills his administration, General James Mattis appears to be a front-runner for Secretary of Defense, despite the two having differing opinions on the use of waterboarding. But this is what Trump told the Times about a recent meeting with the general. I said, what do you think of waterboarding? He said, I was surprised. He said, I've never found it to be useful. He said, I've always found, give me a pack of cigarettes and a couple of beers, and I do better with that than I do with torture. So is Trump backing away from what he continuously told his supporters about using torture on terror suspects? I love it. I love it. I think it's great. And I said, the only thing is we should make it much tougher than waterboarding. And if you don't think it works, folks, you're wrong. And when it comes to climate change, the president-elect once tweeted global warming is an expensive hoax. Now telling the Times he believes there's some connectivity between humans and climate change, stressing, quote, clean air is vitally important. So he's clearly starting to waffle. The other thing he's starting to waffle on is the wall. He's not so he's still saying he's going to do it. But now it's, oh, well, there's many sections across the border that are, that are what, what did he say, treacherous rivers or something like that? I think it was vicious rivers. Yeah, yeah. so he's, he's already starting to kind of waffle and vacillate on that particular issue as well. Yeah. There's a built-in moat. We don't need the wall, it turns out. <laughs> Good times. Ah, uh, do you feel stupid yet? Well, he has such an open Trump mind. Voters. Isn't that a good thing? Yeah, that he has right. an open Th- mind. That's what he it is. He's so open to new ideas. Right. <laughs> well, remember this. I don't think we have a lot of Trump supporters listening to the show, 
But we remember, have a few, I think. Remember this poem that he read while on the campaign trail. I saved you, I saved you, I saved you, cried that woman. And you've bit me heavens wide. You know your bite is poisonous. And now I'm going to die. Oh, shut up, silly woman, said the reptile with a grin. You knew damn well I was a snake before you took me in. Why are people cheering? <laughs> this, Im- this is emblematic of Donald Trump. <laughs> and it's prophetic almost. Yeah, it for sure is. And why are people cheering? I would be standing in the audience thinking, well, what the hell what does that ha- mean? What is happening right now? <laughs> that doesn't sound good. So when he completely fucks us over, he's just going to say, hey, listen, I already told you. I read the poem. You should have been listening. <laughs> yeah, I- I'd raise my hand and say, hi, Um, why does that resonate with you? Why is that a special poem yes. for you? Why did you read that to us? <laughs> it, it is bizarre. Yeah. Just like this cast of characters that he's surrounded by. Kellyanne Conway was on CNN, kind of a, a town hall kind of thing, oddly enough. And she was asked a question about Donald Trump and his tweets. We're going to start with the question. And then Jake Tapper follows up in classic JTAP style. My question has to do with President-elect Trump's communication strategy, uh, specifically if he's going to continue using his uh, Twitter account. I know it breeds a lot of authenticity, um, but he's also been known to uh, to tweet out falsehoods and, and other uh, liabilities. So is that something that he plans to do after inaugurated? So that's going to be up to him, the Secret Service, and uh, others who have to help decide those issues. I will tell you that uh, the president-elect looks at his social media accounts, a combined 25 million or probably more at this point, users on Twitter and Facebook as a very good platform through which to convey his messages. Um, I can tell you firsthand that there are posts that he makes that otherwise would not be heard or seen by those 25 million people but for him posting them. But, you know, he's a unique person who's been following his instincts and his judgment from the beginning. I think one of the, one of the points that I think we'd all be interested in hearing is in the last week he tweeted that there were millions of fraudulent votes. There's no evidence that there were millions of fraudulent votes. I don't doubt that there were some fraudulent votes. There always are. But the idea that the only reason Hillary Clinton won the popular vote is because of millions of fraudulent votes is not true. Uh, And then when CNN reported on that, he started retweeting people criticizing Jeff Zeleny, our reporter, um, including a 16-year-old boy. Um, And I think the question arises in a room full of people who want President-elect Trump to succeed who want him to realize a vision where there are more jobs coming into this country, where you do achieve so much of what you want to achieve. Is that really presidential behavior? Well, he's the president-elect, so that's, that's presidential behavior, yes. All right. I'm stopping it there because this is important right here. Did you hear that, audience? JTAP says, is that really presidential behavior to be tweeting out Bald-faced lies, misinformation. And what does she say? Well, he's president-elect of the United States, so yes. By virtue of the fact that he's going to be president, that is presidential behavior. (laughs) Jake Tapper presses her. 
So the and things that Bill Clinton did that in the I've Oval Office the that you criticized, that those were presidential? Are you actually comparing what Bill Clinton did in the Oval You're Office You're saying if the president does it, it's presidential. Shall, I'm we saying, re shall we review for those who weren't born then what President Clinton did in I'm the Oval Office? I'm saying just because a president does something doesn't make it presidential. Yes, I wasn't saying otherwise, but... <laughs> oh, I, I, I protest, Miss Conway. I wasn't saying otherwise. We just heard you say, well, he's president-elect, so yeah, it absolutely is presidential. Liars. 30 seconds passed, and she's trying to deny what she had just said. Well, she's gaslighting JTAP. Right. And he probably didn't come back at her because he was probably thinking, oh, did I remember this wrong? <laughs> I know it just happened, but maybe I'm remembering this wrong. Unbelievable. And no, you were not remembering it wrong. And I wish that she w would have been challenged on this further because when is this going to stop? When, when the preponderance of America begins to lash out at him and let him know that it's unacceptable to lie to us. You're a liar. And we're not going to take it. The fact is, this man is now president of the United States, and he's tackling very big issues, the ones that he campaigned on and the ones that he will execute through his one, first 100-day plan. I know him very well. I'm a trusted advisor. He is committed to making good on the promises and on, the, on, the, on frankly, the plans, and he's going to be focused on that. We need to move on and support the president and the initiatives that he's going to, to make. I, I didn't like... I don't like a lot of things that people in leadership do, but they're there, and that should be respected. I mean, I was raised to respect the office of the president and its current occupant, no matter who he or she is. So, listen, it's you know, it's I, clown I, college. That's what this is. No, well, I think everyone has this idea about the president of the United States and that the office should be respected and that the person in the office should be respected, regardless of party affiliation. However... That is very difficult when we're in a very different and a very unique situation. And this is a different situation. Absolutely. You have a president-elect who is tweeting about Saturday Night Live every Saturday. Yeah. Unwatchable. Biased. Lame. He is refusing his daily intelligence briefings. Yes. He... He's is also, refusing to get more information about the world in which we live that he, he's going to be involved in running. Al he's also refusing briefings from the State Department before he goes off half-cocked and calls world leaders. Yeah. And he's tweeting about Saturday Night Live. The priorities here are all mixed up. And we played that that video for you of his plans for the first 100 days. He released that to his own YouTube channel. He's closing the media off. Right. He gave an interview to Hannity, and that was the first interview that he's done in a long time. Which all it was was a complete jerk-off sesh. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it was a self-congratulatory, you know, juggling each other's balls. It, <laughs> was, there was, it was no substance whatsoever. Absolutely not a tough question. <laughs> oh, my God. Unbelievable. Yeah. And <laughs> and Donald Trump does apparently have okay. a really small penis because, <laughs> I mean, I didn't see it because I, I don't watch Fox News, but the happening. reports came in pretty small. I Tremendous balls, though. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I 
am not a part of this. You're 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 visibly uncomfortable right now. Uh, a little bit. So, yeah. Jesse D, <laughs> good job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but but before the interview with Sean Hannity, um, you can, now you have balls juggling in your in your in your mind. I that's I, an image you'll never get out. I do not. So. Hannity's his balls coincidentally. And oddly enough, are very small. I think it's because his head is so big uh-huh. that his balls just, they, they couldn't, one of them had to go. You know, it's just the nature figuring shit out. You know, what I was about not to say, to it, just, it doesn't not even matter anymore. What I was saying doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> just does not. Seriously, though, there were no tough questions. It no. was. Yeah, there was a joke at the beginning where Donald Trump said um, something about, Hannity said, oh, you know, you haven't given an interview in a long time. Thanks for giving this interview to me. And there was some sort of back and forth about it. Well, of course it's with you. Ha ha ha. We know it's with Hannity because right. it's not going to be a difficult situation. Right. And Hannity appeared in his campaign ads and was punished by Fox News for it. Right. I mean, come and on. This is a red flag. This is a red flag. Absolutely. And, and the media is really struggling with, well, how do we report on Donald Trump's tweets? Well, he also ditches the press. Right. Which is breaks decades where the press corps is supposed to go with him to report when important shit happens. Around the president. Like 9-11. Right. There was a, an entire co- uh, uh, gaggle of press there to be reporting on what was going on. Right. And when he ditches, the American people don't get filled in on the real deal. Right. It gets filtered through the handlers and the administration. And that's not good. That's not democratic. Yeah, and the, the media is really struggling here because when Donald Trump tweets about illegal millions of illegal votes, right, yes. which is not based on evidence, that is not factually true, and he's just tweeting recklessly, Well, what are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to talk about these things? Because he's the president-elect. They, he's creating an adversarial relationship because the press, if they report it as a lie... As an untrue statement. Then he attacks them. Then he attacks them. Right. But the problem with his tweets, especially about the three million voter thing, because we have evidence now that it does trickle down to his unwashed, uneducated, low information supporters. Allison Camerata, she's a CNN reporter, formerly Fox News. She had a, a group of voters that she's been having interviews with throughout this entire campaign. This is an exchange with one or two of them concerning that very matter. Voting is a privilege in this country, and you need to be legal, not like California, where three million illegals voted. Let's talk about that. I'm glad I brought that up, Allison. Me too, Paula. <laughs> so where are you getting your information? From the media. Where what, else are we media? Get? Some of it was CNN, I believe. CNN said that three million illegal people voted. Well, in it was coming California? all across the media. <laughs> all across, but CNN didn't do it. Then they were being smart this time. Do you think that three million illegal people I voted? I believe in California that there were illegals that voted. How many? I don't. To tell you the truth, nobody really knows that number. But, but do you think three dozen or do you think three million? I think there was a good amount because the president told people that they could vote and it happened in Nashua. We caught some people yeah. that they went into Nashua and they said, the president said I can vote. I'm here illegally. Did you hear President Obama say that illegal people could vote? Yes, yes I did. Yes, I did hear it. Tell me, where? On, on, uh, you can find it. Google it. You can find it on Facebook. All right. Hold on. 
I don't want to waste any more time. But anyway, I see where it came from. And it's uh, Fox Business Network deceptively edited a clip of Barack Obama to argue that the president encouraged illegal immigrants to vote when, in fact, he had said nothing of the sort when you go back to the transcript. You, as you sit here today, think that millions of illegal people voted in this country. You believe that there was widespread voting abuse. I think there was in some states. In and the millions of people. I, California allows it. People they do not vote. allow illegal. You mean illegal? You mean voter fraud? California allows. I believe there is voter fraud in this country. Unbelievable. Yeah. These are ardent Trump supporters. That woman is saying that three million people allowed by the state of California, illegal, undocumented individuals in this country. Mm-hmm. that California allows them to vote for president. <laughs> that is ludicrous. It, it, it is beyond the pale. I feel stupid even having to explain how ridiculous it is. Let me explain. 13.5, roughly, roughly, 13.5 million people voted for president in the state of California, where I'm sitting my dumb ass right now. If 3 million people undocumented, illegal, whatever you want to say, if they voted, that means 22% of the votes cast in California were from people who were not qualified, who were here illegally. They said they had one in Nashua, someone who said, I'm here illegally. This is their story. They came to the polling place, announced, hey, everybody, I'm here illegally. They admitted their crime. I'm here illegally. The president said I could vote. People who are undocumented aren't willy-nilly about it. They're not announcing it (laughs) to a group of people at a polling station. They're quiet. They're undercover about it. They're on the DL because they don't want to be deported. Facts matter. Under President Obama, more people have been deported than under President Bush. They're not just going to be announcing it willy-nilly. Well, I don't think that facts do matter because <laughs> during that Apparently interview, not. during that interview, Allison Camerata actually took out her phone and fact-checked what they were saying. She she tracked down the source That's of right. that story and read it and <laughs> Do you think that they changed their minds when she corrected? It did not sound like they did. Right. And that's, I mean, what is happening when this is the situation? I have a feeling that statement right there, Brittany Page, is going to be repeated many times over the course of the next four years. What is happening? Ugh. All right. Taking care of this. Well, it's no longer me leading myself in. Yeah, we got some new some new bumpers for all kinds of good stuff. Yeah. I got I like a new them. disclaimer that sometime when I say something offensive, I'm gonna have to I'll have to drop. Might have been useful for all the juggling the balls talk. <laughs> the views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dallimore <laughs> are solely those of Jesse Dallimore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more reasonable in her views and analysis. It's always good to have a reminder. It is. <laughs> <laughs> 
also taking care of biz. Who is taking care of biz this week? Well, this is kind of follow-up slash taking care of biz because Delta Airlines is taking care of biz, but they might be taking care of too much biz. Should we should we remind the listeners? Let's remind the listeners. How many people, man? Are uh, really? Ain't nobody gonna say no shit on this plane? You can't hear me, Donald Trump, baby. That's right. This man knows what's up. We got some Hillary bitches on here. Come on, man. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, baby, Donald Trump. It's your presence. Every goddamn one of you. If you don't like it, too bad. Ay-yi-yi. So, clearly... Yeah, Delta Airlines released a statement. Hang on, I want to go back to what you said, because I think it got glossed over. You said, in this segment of Taking Care of Biz... Right. Donald, uh, Delta Airlines, they're taking care of biz, but you put, a, you put an asterisk next to that. You said that you think that maybe they're taking care of too much biz. Yeah, because... <laughs> This guy has been banned from Delta Airlines for life. He's banned for life from flying on their airplanes. He will never be allowed on a Delta plane ever again. That does seem a little harsh. I could see like ah, a year we're going to we're going to ban you. Yeah. You're not allowed on our on our on our shit for a year, but his entire life. Yeah, no more delicious cookie snacks for you on the flights. Cookie snacks. Yeah, they give cookies on Delta. Not pretzels. Um, I could be wrong, but I every time I'm on Delta, they give me delicious cookies. Huh. So all right, yeah. Well, that so they're taking care of biz, but they're just like Brittany <laughs> said, just a little aggressive about the biz taken. Yeah, the I biz mean, taken care of because they're saying he should have been removed, and then they're going further saying we are permanently removing him from any future flights yeah, that so he could take. It's almost like yeah, we know we fucked up, but we're gonna take care of it extra good so everybody's real happy right double down <laughs> look at us guys we hate that guy just like you do he's never gonna be allowed on the plane yeah well any hillary bitches yeah clapping Ugh. so weird well i guess he's gonna he'll he'll find his way on southwest <laughs> oh great <laughs> or allegiant or one of those other spirit airline yeah spirit which is like the budget mm-hmm. the budget airline where it's like Subway holders where you just you stand up the whole flight and hang on to the rail. Uh, that does not sound enjoyable. <laughs> There's chickens and shit running around on the plane. Yeah. No good. All right. Thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate you. We love you guys. This growing audience helping us move the conversation forward twice a week. If you would like to support the show other than listening those twice a week episodes, we would love to have you on board as a PayPal or a, or a Patreon supporter. You can go to dollamore.com slash Patreon, dollamore.com slash PayPal, or if you want to do some Christmas shopping and have us get a little bit of that sale, if you're going to spend your money anyway at Amazon, you don't pay anymore, you might as well help us out. Go to dollamore.com slash Amazon, and we get a little bit like a commission, like a really tasty little treat for us. We appreciate it, and it helps us move the conversation forward. It helps us produce the show. It helps us produce the videos on YouTube. We love you guys. You are awesome. 
And before I go, let me drop the number. Didn't even drop the number one time, Brittany Page. 657-464-7609. That is the number if you'd like to call, if you'd like to communicate with the show, leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail. Or you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Now it is time to wrap it up. So until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Tremendous balls, though. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I am not a part of this. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.